That brings me to something. I have to say this really quick, and if we cut this, that's fine. We're big Mamma Mia fans in that movie. It's Waterloo. Da, 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 da. It's this yeah, Waterloo yeah. song. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yesterday, Rally and Finley started saying, water beads, water beads, water <laughs> It's about his precious water beads. I mean, what is, this is a dumb question, what is, is Waterloo a place? Is it a... Is it an action? <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> the Battle of Waterloo was from the French Revolution. It's where Napoleon... So it's a place? I'm for, it must be a place if there's a battle of it, right? Yeah, it's a place. I mean, they could have been fighting over Waterloo. Yes. <laughs> At Waterloo, Napoleon did surrender. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have met my destiny. Oh, she's not checking history facts right now, by the way, guys. She is absolutely checking the lyrics, the lyrics of oh the song. But it 100% is about what Laura said. So <laughs> I'm going to not sing water beads anymore. It's fine. I think Napoleon would want to be remembered <laughs> this way by squishy, tiny little translucent balls that just get every freaking hair. <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome, everyone. My name is Laura. I'm a mother of one with my Montessori training in lower and upper elementary, ages 6 to 12. I am joined tonight by Rachel, officially mother of two, with her training in infant and toddler, ages birth through three, and Megan, also mother of two, with her training in lower elementary, ages six through nine. Let's start by catching up. What has everyone been up to? Obviously, we're excited that Rachel is back, back in the closet. She's back in the closet. Headphones, microphone. She's back. She's back. I said that really like I'm not excited. Let me let me do it again. She's back. I'm back. That's better. <laughs> yes, I am back. And we're good. I feel much better now that I'm not pregnant. Woohoo. Yes. <laughs> that last little bit there was just about to kill me, but I'm good. We're making it. I mean, it's just newborn over here and a toddler, but um, it's good. It's good. The highlight of my week has been our play date with you guys. So that was the best thing this week so far. And lots of park outings. We're trying to get out of the house with Finley a lot just to fill his cup. You know, things are good. I have the same highlight. The play date was the best. The best. Primarily because I finally got hands on baby. The baby. Laura did get her hands on there. I got my hands all over that baby. They were thoroughly washed beforehand. Everybody relax, okay? Um, (laughs) Although you can also only be so clean when you have a toddler in and around you at all times. And three of them like climbing all over you as you hold the baby. But oh my gosh, that was the best part of everything so far. Yeah, you were feeling some... 
feeling some things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so sweet. She's, She's so sweet. Cute. She's she such is. a sweet little baby. Thank you for sharing her today and letting us just just wreak havoc on your wonderful home because it was just <laughs> madness. It was a circus <laughs> of the best kind. And just water thank you. beads all over the floor. <laughs> oh my God, the water beads. Water beads. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Megan. Megan. You're dying over there, girl. What's going on? <laughs> I, I am dying. You're um, sitting in the dark, first of I all. I am sitting in the dark. I should turn on my... Oh, that's bright. There she is. Here I am. It's me. Yeah, no, I also had a great time on our play date. But our big kind of thing that we did recently was that we took a trip, a family trip for a few days. And man, yeah, taking two toddlers really anywhere like to the grocery store or the park can be a mission in itself. But taking them out of town for three days and two nights, that was some serious business. So we drove up there and, and it was relatively easy, quote unquote, but once we got there, I realized that I forgot their swimsuits, which the whole reason that we went to this location was to go swimming. So we get there and we put the kids down, or at least we try to put the kids down. And my daughter didn't want to sleep, so she wanted to sleep with her dad. And so then I was running around this new town trying to find a Walmart to get us new swimsuits. And I'm looking for a bottle because I didn't bring a bottle because my one-year-old is still very much attached to his nighttime bottle. And no one slept for two nights. Oh, my God. And I was like up at the lodge with my one-year-old at five in the morning, just walking around. We were at the arcade at 5 a.m., <laughs> which, you know, is a really good time. And yeah, so I've learned now that, that, you know, trips that you take with kids, they're not relaxing like vacations. No. They're just being a parent in another location that yeah. doesn't have any of the stuff that you need. <laughs> Yeah, dude. 100%. The idea of it sounds really, really nice. But then you get there and you're like, oh, this is exactly yeah. the same and maybe even worse. Yeah. I mean, we were all in one room. So they both really struggled to sleep and then they were waking each other up. And yeah, I mean, overall, I'm I'm glad we did it. I really am. And I will continue to do it because it's just fun to see them experience new things. But Oh, like all of the other stuff that goes along with it. Now I know why my parents, like when we go places, were so stressed out. I remember I'd just be like, we're at this new place. It's so fun. Why are you so stressed? And now we're like snapping at each other in the car. Like, didn't you bring the sippy cup? No, I brought the sippy cup. And, you know, it's trying to find a, a potty and like all the things. So yeah, we had a lot of fun, but we also didn't have a lot of fun. I hear you. I think that's why we just didn't go on vacations, period. <laughs> they probably were like, nope, not doing that. All right, well, let's get started on our conversation for tonight. Rachel, do you want to kick it off? So we are going to dive into observation today. So what is observation specifically to Montessori? So as we have discussed before, Maria started her career in education through watching children who were developmentally challenged play with crumbs on the floor because they had nothing to manipulate or play with. So through her observations, 
of these children, she found that she needed to make them educational materials to meet their needs. So it kind of started with her just having observations of children. Observing sounds kind of easy, right, to me in the beginning before I kind of went on this Montessori adventure. I observing, you just observe. But there's definitely an art to observing. Maria explained that when we observe, we are doing it so that we can recognize what the child needs so that we can follow them and support them. So now to explain observation. This explanation is more so for a classroom environment, but as parents, there are many key points you can take from this and use to observe your own child at home or in whatever environment you may be in through your Montessori journey. First off, sitting silent and as still as possible is something that you really want to aim for that to happen. You kind of want to be like a fly on the wall, like you're not even there. Just step back, slow down, and try to observe with fresh eyes, meaning you put everything you were thinking or have previously thought to the side. No judgments, no preconceptions, which is really hard, especially in the classroom. There's plenty of days I just take notes observing, of course, but a lot of times if it's getting close to conference or I may notice a conflict between the same children, I have a reason to observe. So sometimes it is hard to put those preconceptions and judgments to the side, but that should be like your number one goal even as a parent you may be super frustrated this keeps happening as a parent like a tantrum the same time but you still kind of put whatever is in your head to the side and just observe in that moment so also during this time you're going to want to examine yourself so how often would you have interrupted the child how often would you have spoken to the child those are questions during the process you really need to be asking yourself. And is it necessary? Was that necessary for me to have interrupted her? Or was it necessary for me to have spoken or said something that maybe stopped the child's focus? Another point is record, record, record. So take notes, even as a parent at home, record. We may think we can remember what we see, but just as you sit down to observe as a mom, as a teacher, I know if I don't have pen and paper, everything I observe may immediately leave my mind because I more than likely will be interrupted or something else catches my eye and I get distracted. So when taking these notes, it is best to write exactly what you're seeing. So for example, Roger picked up the blue tongs and transferred the red pom-pom to the other side of the tray. That's like a simple statement of I'm writing exactly what I see happening. Also, sometimes we can draw conclusions and assume because we know the child, we may say they are sad or we may say they're mad or scared. But how do we know that? Like what makes us say they're sad or they're scared. So you want to say, I saw Susie's face and she was crying. Roger took the yellow ball out of her hands. Then from that, we can say she was sad. We saw her crying. We would know exactly what made her feel that way. So we're not assuming. We don't want to assume anything when we're doing these observations. We really just want to be in the moment watching the child, taking the notes so that we are able to take from that to meet their needs, because that's why we're doing this. Which brings me to lastly, why are we observing? So you may be observing for a specific reason. Maybe you're trying to figure out why your toddler has a tantrum at the same time every day. Maybe you're trying to figure out why it always gets busy and out of control in the book corner in your classroom. Either way, take the observation and be open to change. So we are observing to learn more about the child or maybe a certain situation so that we can meet their developmental needs. And that's that's the goal from this. And that was Maria's goal when she was observing children. She wanted 
to help meet their needs, which is our goal through this. And I think as a mom and as a teacher, of course, this is my goal all the time. And as always, Simone Davies has a great post about observation on her Montessori notebook blog online. Okay, so where do we even start with this, Megan? Do you want to start? I unmuted myself. So everyone's super proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Okay, so <laughs> yes, I think that the whole idea of observation can be very abstract when we talk about it. So if you ask for any advice from a Montessorian about any kind of behavior that your child is struggling with or what toys to offer, what to put on a shelf, people will say, observe. And that can be very, very, it it just might not be very helpful because it's like, okay, observe. I'm watching my child all day. Like we're home with our kids. We're watching them all day. What actually is observation? And I feel like if I was to explain it in a more simple way, it would be to not be reactive. So instead of reacting to what our children are doing, We are sitting back and observing what they are doing. This means that we are truly following the child. And that is a phrase that in the Montessori world can also feel very abstract and might be confusing. And this art of observation, as you described it, Rachel, is probably the most important aspect of the Montessori method, but is also probably the hardest thing as a parent to hone in on and implement into your home. I just want to honor how difficult it is. It's really hard for me, but also remember how incredibly important it is. So I think it can be really easy for me personally to be reactive, especially on days like today. My children were very difficult for me to manage just their emotions and their needs. So yeah, it can be really hard when you just have a bunch of things going on in your home. And I think the way that I look at it is some days are hard and some days I will be doing no observing. And that's just life. Like that's just the way that it goes. But there are other days where they may be playing in their room and I'm just sitting down and I'm just observing. I'm not saying anything. I'm not encouraging them. I'm not criticizing them. I'm not talking to them. I'm letting them be. And I am really focused on what they're doing and really taking notes about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And that will lend itself later to me being able to set up an environment that is helpful for them. So a question that I've gotten a lot is how do I set up a shelf or a work area in my home? Like, how do I know what to put up? And so we've talked about the first thing we need to do before we prepare the environment is to observe. So yeah, I kind of want to talk about a little bit what that means and maybe what we're looking for when we're observing. So that's kind of what I want to get into. But before I do that, what are your initial thoughts on observation, Laura? Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said that on the days where you are able to observe, because it's not going to be every day, there are going to be so many days where you are just fighting fires and it is reactive and that's okay. In the classroom, it was that way more often than not for me. And at home, it certainly feels that way. But I think taking the opportunities where you can get them is so, so important. And then you made that point of, well, I watch them all day. Like I'm physically looking at them all the time. What do you mean observe them? Not what they are doing, but how they are doing it. And maybe even eventually why why they are doing it. Is there like a catalyst to that action every time? And how are they completing the action? Or how are they melting down? Or how are they interacting with that work or that area of the 
the room that you're in or whatever it is, the importance of observation is not just looking at them and looking at them quietly, but truly as if you were happening upon something you'd never seen in the wild before, observing every little detail of it and this little creature and how it is behaving in this certain scenario so that you can then better understand the creature and serve the creature. And that's where I have to check myself a lot is that I also, I do a lot of assuming. I assume I understand. I assume because I know them so well in my classroom and because I know her so well in my home. I mean, I know her so well. It's just, it is hard because you assume that between your experience and your motherly intuition that you have the whole picture and you might a good portion of the time, but you also probably don't. And by you, I mean me a portion of the time. So observing really is just so, so important and making the space for it is important and just being intentional about why you even need that space. So that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation is it's going to remind me of why it's so important and also the really valuable tips and tricks when you are sitting and observing. We had talked about making one of the teacher tips to observe literally sit on your hands. And so obviously we're not talking about doing that at a time where the room is burning down around you or someone is like physically in danger. But when they're playing peacefully in a corner and having like an imaginary tea party instead of jumping in or narrating it or taking pictures, sit down on your hands and just listen and watch. Don't interject yourself. What other tips? What other good tips do you guys have for me? Because this is really just rejuvenating my relationship with observation. I feel like you're both better than I am. Oh, No, I appreciate what both of you have shared because I feel like it's exactly what I'm experiencing too. Even in the classroom, like Laura shared, sometimes I think it may even be harder in the classroom because then there's 12 toddlers and I feel like I'm burning out more fires than just when I have one at home. But I'm still not making the space and time. I should be at home. I appreciate Megan saying that, you know, I sit down and observe them and watch them when they are playing or working calmly because that does happen too here. And sometimes I forget the moments because everything else consumes you, right? Like I don't remember the 20 minutes where he was independently playing this morning. I remember the screaming and he didn't want to get buckled and all the other things, right? All the battles. All the battles. I'm not thinking back to that precious 20 or 30 minutes maybe he had this morning in there where he was independently playing and I was just sitting there kind of silently watching. So I appreciate you reminding me that those moments do happen. They do happen. Well, and you know what I think is so hard is that when those moments are happening, and this is where we have to come back to the mindfulness and being intentional and all the messaging from Kelly is that when those moments are happening, I personally find myself running through a massive anxiety induced to do list in my brain of like, okay, so right now we're peacefully playing, but we have about 15 minutes before we need to get ready for this thing or, you know, like whatever the next thing is or the laundry or the dishes or what I didn't get done or, yeah, or if she's playing peacefully, cool, can I get to the kitchen and do those yeah. three things that I haven't done for four days? You know, like it's so hard to to decide intentionally to set aside that time for peaceful observation. And then it's just one added thing, you know, okay, you also need to do this. And now you need to feel guilty about this when it doesn't happen. Exactly. And so I think if I were to give any tips, I would say if you can find a time during your day, that's easy for you. Like it's a time. So for me in the evenings, right before dinner time and all the craziness that is bedtime, 
after naps, there's this kind of sweet spot where we usually just go out in the backyard and play or we go into the kids' rooms and they just play. And that's typically a time where I will make an iced coffee and I will just sit back and observe. And something I would like to get into is to be able to start taking notes about what I am observing and reflecting on it later. Right now, that's not happening, and I am just going to have to be okay with that. But to sit back and just watch and observe, and if you can't write it down, taking time afterwards to reflect. And that means when you're observing that you're not distracted, you're not thinking about your to-do list, you don't have your phone, you're not answering those text messages, those emails, you are just observing. And then a huge part of that also is to take out any of those judgments and preconceived ideas, which I do constantly, like Laura said, I think that I know, I really do. And instead just making it objective. And in this way, we truly honor our children when we can be objective and see them truly for who they are without any cloud of what we think they need, who we think they are, and really seeing them. Because when we assume, when we judge, we don't really see them. We see what we want to see or what we think we see. And so that whole judgment part is really, really important because it can be good judgment too. It can be like, oh, my daughter really likes horses. Okay. She does really like horses, but instead of me just kind of assuming that maybe I can objectively watch and say, she is using the horses to pretend that they're eating. And that's it. That's all I'm doing. Later, I'll reflect and think about, okay, how can I follow this interest? How can I maybe set up a shelf that will be enticing for her? But in that moment, I'm just observing. And so I think that that's a really difficult part. But honestly, the hardest part for me probably is to turn off my mental list and also to turn off my phone. I work from my phone most of the time. And so it's really hard for me not to answer that email, not to answer that Slack, not to (laughs) check that Instagram message. And so I think for me, that's the hardest part. I will put my phone inside during those times. Like if we're outside, I'll put my phone inside because I don't need it. I don't need to take the pictures. I don't need to answer the email. So those are my, what, three biggest tips probably. I like those. I like those a lot. The phone is a hard one. It's a hard one to not have around. I like those tips. As you were saying them, I thought of a tip for myself. Speaking of to-do lists, I don't know about you guys, but I have on the notes app on my phone, I have one to-do list called This Week. And it's got a couple of little things that I try desperately to check off that I would really like to accomplish that week at some point in the week. And I feel like it would be a good hack for me and maybe others out there to literally put observe mm, yeah. on the to-do list. Yes. So that when I do it, I, I don't feel guilty that I didn't do X, Y, Z other things because that was literally one of my to-dos. Do you feel like that would help? I feel like that's going to help. I'm going to do that. I think it would help me because I live off of my notes and like my reminders on my phone. So I really think that like if it popped up on my screen as a reminder every day at whatever time or not even every day, Megan said start small. So like, let's just choose like Tuesday, Thursday or something like that. And then it pops up and I do have my phone like Megan shared a lot. So I think that would help me. That's a helpful tip. I feel like it's worth trying. 
I think it is worth trying. And I think that it is important for us too. So I kind of want to get into why it's important. Like, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. But before that, I do want to say that that time, like most of us have a rhythm. And so I think about that time that I usually take to just drink my coffee and watch my kids and truly observe them. That's a really good time for me too, to put it away and to just be there time moves more slowly. I am focused on what they're doing versus all the things that I have to do or maybe the mess that is this house. So I think it's really beneficial for us as parents too. We talked to Kelly last week about mindfulness and this is a way that we practice mindfulness. And I believe that when we do that, we can better serve our children. I mean, how many times do we go all day without taking a break? And I know that sitting and observing objectively and reflecting later. Maybe it's not a break, but it is a time to slow down and maybe be less reactive and maybe take a step back. It's definitely, definitely a little surprise gift of being present. Being present. That is a great way to, that's a great word to describe. It is. I love that. In that moment, you are doing nothing else. You are allowing no other thoughts or assumptions to come into your mind. You are being fully present with that child who Mm -hmm. is a master of being present. And when you truly do just observe and just let your mind go in there with them, it can be super helpful to you as just a human being spiritually too, for sure. Yeah. And I think this is a good segue into why it's important. Is that yeah, where you so were kind of going what, with that? Well, when I was talking about, um, and I think I just kind of went off topic, but when I was talking about parents who aren't sure what to put on their shelves and we say, oh, well, you should observe. And I was saying that that's probably not super helpful. If As we get into this, as you're saying, Laura, it actually can be very helpful if you know what you're looking for. So sometimes we'll just kind of throw things on a shelf and then we see that our children maybe aren't super interested in that. Maybe it's because we think that this would be really fun for them, right? But did we take the time to first observe? And so I love that point that you've made is that when we observe, we can better serve them. Also, selfishly, when they're into what you've put out, that also might put in a break and time for observation. Like it's this circle. So we have this area that is enticing to them. It makes it easier to observe. So all of it really does lend itself to helping you observe and to help them be more interactive with their environment. So yes, I think that that's a great reason that we might observe. Yeah. I think if if you're in a situation where you're sitting here thinking right now, I cannot observe because my child or my children cannot play independently and be fully engaged with anything for more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. then you definitely need to observe. Yeah. We need to figure out why. Yeah. Why is that? Mm-hmm. They should, depending on the age, maintain that kind of focus for just a couple minutes at a time like that. And mm-hmm. and that should sustain as they're old, getting older. So if that's not happening, then yeah, maybe you're surrounded by things that just aren't engaging to these kids. And so how can you change that? How yeah. can you create an environment where you do get a little more independence and a little more engagement out of them and a little more freedom for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I saw this great post this week from Grano Montessori. Her name is Amanda. I don't know if I said your name correctly. Amanda, I'm sorry. So she put out this whole story on observation and I thought she did such an awesome job. So she was like showing videos of children 
and then had a box for people to send in like, what are your observations to kind of practice those observing skills. And she put out a list because some people were having questions like, how do I know what I'm looking for? I mean, I could watch my kid, I can observe them, but what am I watching for? And so she had a little bit of a list that I thought was really helpful. She had fine motor skills, independence, comfort in the space, movement around the space, interaction with others, interaction with the toys and materials, and what the child chooses to work or play with. So we've talked about maybe what they choose to play with, but there are a lot of other things that you can be looking for. And I will put this list from her on on our Instagram so that you can go back and look at it. But I think that those are really helpful, maybe to have a list of things that you're looking for if you're writing things down, which ultimately is the best way to observe is to actually write it down and reflect on it later. Be looking like, what is their comfort? in the space? How are they moving around it? How are they interacting with others if they're having a play date or they're with the siblings? So you can take one single topic here and focus solely on that for that time that you're observing and see what you notice. I love that. I love having a list with some of the major things to look for because all of those things are going to lead back to what I was saying, where if you are in a situation where you feel like you cannot observe because things are not running smoothly enough for that, some of those skills like fine motor, right? So if your child is constantly frustrated with the inability to do a certain thing or a certain task and they're begging you for help or they're just screaming and throwing that thing across the room because they cannot do it, observing that that might be the issue could then lend you to doing a little research on finding out what are some things that strengthen that skill, whatever that thing Mm -hmm. is that that kid is struggling with so that you can empower them to be able to master that skill on their own. And, you know, there's, there's so many different examples and scenarios and Yeah. So I do want to say this is important for every single child and it might look different what you observe and it might look different how you adapt their environment to serve them. But it is important for all of us to honor each and every individual child and how we do that is to meet their unique specific needs. Right. By finding out what those needs are by truly observing them. Thank you. Yes, that Mm -hmm. was beautifully said. So this we've talked about how this can help with preparing the environment. We've talked about how this can help with different skills that children are trying to acquire. And I want to touch on that this can also benefit behavioral problems, struggles, tantrums, things like that. Because like I said, it's so easy to be reactive in those moments. And we have to be like, we have to meet them where they are in that moment. But if we can observe at a different time, so, you know, say your child has a tantrum and, you know, in that moment, I'm not saying go into the corner as they're screaming and observe them having a tantrum. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that maybe you notice that they seem to be having a hard time the same time every night. Something that happened, I can give an example, something that was happening with us was that my son struggles to sleep through the night. And we spent a week that I did this experiment for this blog that I was writing. And we did this experiment where we stayed outside for an entire week, all day, every day. And he slept through the night. So an observation that I made is that those early morning wakings, then he would be cranky throughout the day. And then he would struggle to fall asleep. Like this was the cycle that we were getting into. And an observation 
that I was able to make was that when we were able to be outside longer and for more intentional times during the day, he slept and his mood was very different. And so this can also be beneficial when we are seeing some of those things because it is easy to just be like, oh, he had a tantrum and then move on. It might be beneficial to look at the day, look at the week and see like what's What's triggering these feelings? What's triggering these? Maybe they are tired, but why? Maybe they are hungry. Do we need to shift our routine a little bit? So I think that that can be really helpful for for those moments that are difficult. It's definitely helpful. I can speak to that. Actually, today I looked at Garrett and was like, this has happened, a tantrum or like, not even a tantrum, kind of somewhat aggressive behavior or like attention seeking behavior after watching a show. And I really feel like I had been doing better at this. And then I've been tired in the morning. Garrett's been tired in the morning because I'm nursing. He's up helping. And we just bring Finley in the bed when he wakes up. And it's just easy, right, to turn on a show for me to doze, for Garrett to doze. And then all of a sudden, it's like 7.30 or 8. And it's been like an hour since Finley's been awake. And that's way too much screen time to start his day. And this has probably been happening for a week a week and a half now I would say and he's been like getting really aggressive and like frustrated and first of all he's probably hungry because I haven't fed my child yet but also I've noticed it happened this afternoon too after screen time I literally gave him like a 20 minute diner ranch show on Disney plus or whatever and after that I saw like the spiral out again and I told Garrett I was like it's happened every single time after screen time lately. So that's something we're going to have to cut out and figure because I've made the observation. I'm going to continue to observe and see like, does it keep happening after screen time specifically? But I think that after a week of kind of catching that, that's what's happening. But that's just a simple observation. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's super easy compared to sitting down and really watching him in a different environment. But it's helpful because then I know and Garrett knows, okay, we got to change it up and figure something else out for him to do so that we can still have a minute of rest, right? But meet his needs in that too. I think yeah. it's going to be those simple observations though that are going to be the game changers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what's practical. Right. It feels much more practical. Just being more intentional about noticing what's going on and when, like your example of for X amount of time after screen time, I'm getting this reaction out of you. And just like noting that instead of being like, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's just crazy every day. I guess he's two. You're being more intentional about that. So that is absolutely still counting as observation. And it's not sitting in a corner and logging, you know, bullet note style, Mm -hmm. everything that you're seeing, which does feel really intimidating. And to the point of the behaviors, I think it is going to be those little observations that you catch here and there that are going to be the game changers with that. If I could contribute a story here for some reason, the only one coming to my mind, but probably very relatable is that we're in that stage where my now two-year-old, every time we sit down to a meal is asking for some snack that's not a part of this meal every single time. Over here. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Every time that one of us just like kind of defaulted to You can have pretzels after dinner. You can have yogurt drops when you're done with dinner. Every time that that has been the conversation, she pokes her food three more times, pushes it away hard and tells me, I'm done. I'm done with dinner. She's too freaking smart. You know, like you said, when I'm done with dinner, I get that thing. So I have decided I'm done now. Yeah. 
Yeah. So after however many times I've noticed that this is the inevitable consequence of telling her she can have the treat after dinner, I started just handing her at least a small portion. So for example, she wants raisins, raisins, raisins. She wants to skip right to dessert. So I will get out like five raisins and put them in a bowl and give her her five raisins as part of dinner and be like, okay. And she'll usually even start yelling it before I set her down to dinner. So when she gets to her eating area, it, the raisins are there as well as the this and the that and the actual dinner part. And so when I tried that, I noticed that she'd eat those five raisins and then move on to the rest of dinner and actually eat dinner. So I had to change in my mind the idea that you only get this sweet treat or whatever this special thing is that you want after you have completed the dinner, which then makes dinner feel like a punishment that you can also maybe choose to skip to go right to the reward. And when it was just that this food is being served together because I know this is what you want, but I'm also not going to give you a box of raisins for dinner, we found like this happy medium. So I feel like that's similar to your... yeah example of just yeah, like definitely. quick little observations of after so many dinners of her pushing it away and saying she's done and us being frustrated. Yeah. And I need to try that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We observe and then we adapt. Yeah. Actually, I'll say we observe, we reflect, and then we adapt. And so I think that those are like the biggest pieces. And I feel like a lot of times, a lot of parents, I feel like most people listening observe. You're probably doing it all the time. It's the reflecting part that sometimes we miss and I'm raising my hand because it's me that I miss that part. Yep. It is so easy. Like you said, we could easily look at that situation that you talked about, Rachel, and say, oh, he's just hyper. Oh, he's just having a hard time because his, you know, he has a new baby sister and just assume that we know. But you're saying I need to observe and see like if we take this off, does it change? And what you were saying, Laura, like it's easy to say, oh, she's manipulating you. Oh, she, you know, she's two and and she just wants her dessert first. She's a picky eater. She's a picky eater. She doesn't want her food. And I just I know I keep saying that we have to honor our children, but it's so dangerous to label children that way because they become what we tell them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. When we say they're a picky eater, they will be a picky eater. When we say that they're hyper, they will be hyper. I forget this study. I need to go back and get it. But there was a study where people, do you guys know what I'm talking about? There was plants and people would, like the scientists who were conducting the the research, they would speak words to these plants. And there were negative words and there were positive words. And the plants that were told positive words grew more than the ones that were given negative words. And the whole thing was about how words matter. So my reason for saying this is that it's really important that we don't immediately label our children with our assumptions of what we think they need, who we think they are, why we think they're behaving the way that they're behaving. It's really, really important for us to sit back and let them tell us what they need. And their children, they're not going to be able to come up to you and say, hey, mom, when you put the TV on, it makes me feel really overstimulated. And I can just use some one-on-one <laughs> -on -one time with you in the morning, some quiet time before we get into our hectic day. Does that sound cool with you? Like he's not, he's two. He's not going to be able to tell you that. And your daughter is not going to be able to come up to you and be like, hey, mom, I'm not feeling a lot of control in my life. And I would really like to have one option on my on my plate that I've chosen because I would really like to feel a sense of control. Like they're not going to be able to do that. They tell us in other ways, but we have to have our eyes open enough to see it and to reflect on it and to change. And 
it's hard to change too. I do know that that is also difficult. But for me, I think the reflection is the hardest part. That's a mic drop moment right there. Yeah, I think you couldn't have said it better. Oh my gosh, I just, I love it. I love the freaking story about the freaking plants. Poor, wilty plants. I I hate that for them. I'm so sad. (laughs) I'm going to go say nice things to my plants in a second. I know, I actually need to have like a better reference. But what's cool about that is that plants, right? They have no command of the English language. Neither does your infant or toddler yet, most likely. They still were able to just absorb the shitty vibes coming at them from their caregivers, right? So if a plant can do that, then absolutely so can our children. So when we say that they are this or that all the time around them, when we believe that about them, then yeah, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. Anyway, I don't even want to keep talking about it because I really do feel like you just beautifully wrapped up you did. why it's important. And I feel like, Rachel, you gave us the whole point that it doesn't actually have to be massive professional style observations, just take the time, like Megan said, to reflect on it. And then ideally you adapt that last step, the adapting. That's Mm -hmm. the really important part. If you want to see a change or you want to help, if you want to help yourself and the child involved, the adapting is important. And the adapting part is going to help you be the better parent because then you see that you adapt to whatever maybe was happening and you're meeting your child's needs, which it, like Megan said, that makes you feel happy. And it's like this whole circle of you observe, you reflect, you adapt and look, you see change. And that feels good as a parent too. Yeah. Disclaimer, sometimes you'll adapt and it won't necessarily be an awesome change, in which case you go back to the beginning of the cycle, observe again, reflect again, adapt again. It takes time, right? Yeah. So you're not just going to observe the first time and be like, oh, this is what I see. And the next day you're going to reflect, adapt and change and it's all going to be better. Or all of a sudden they're playing or working with something you put out. Like it's not going to work like that. Just like I feel like everything we say, it takes time and it takes time to be good at observing. Yeah. The first time you do this, you may be like, okay, I really didn't get as much out of this as I thought. Whereas after you do it and pay more attention to like little details, maybe if you're just able to watch them play in those silent moments, you're going to notice more and pick up on more as time goes. Yeah, Yeah, that's very true. Consistency. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I love it. I hope that other people love it too and got something a little bit helpful out of it because we are constantly telling everyone to observe. And like you said, Megan, that's a little bit annoying and overwhelming. So hopefully not so much right now. Hopefully. Yeah. So let's finish out the show with a segment called Confessions from the Wild. Uh, Rachel, I think you said that you have one, right? I do. Well, I probably would have a couple other than one where uh, we slept in poop, you know, newborn poop. (laughs) Slept in it? Well, in the middle of the night, she's in a bassinet beside of me. So I nurse her, you know, just in the bed and then put her back in the bassinet and typically just change the diaper in the bed and then just put her in the bassinet. And I don't really turn on the light. I just turn on like my flashlight on my nightstand and just kind of put it up so there's some light in the room. And then you wake up the next morning and you see that your pillowcase is like yellow. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no. You say you as in 
you. <laughs> yes, mine. As mine. This happened to you. Mine. <laughs> the pillowcase where your face is and your eyes and your nose and your mouth are all in it. Yellow and seedy. Seedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh you know, I forgot. That newborn breast milk poop. Oh, man. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. it. Oh my that. goodness. And then also Finley fell for the first time. He's fallen a bunch of times, but never like had a full on scrape or anything. And he had his first boo-boo tonight and all I could do was laugh. I mean, he's like walking around not bending his leg, acting like it needs to be like amputated. <laughs> and he has like three red scratches on his knee. <laughs> and he would forget about it. And then all of a sudden he'd look at his knee again. Oh, I got a boo-boo. I'm like, yeah. Yes. yes. Do you want cream and a band-aid? No. I'm like, okay. I just, just can't do anything but laugh. bad for me. Would you like a hug? Yes. <laughs> Anyways, I probably should have been a little more, more sentimental, but I was like, dude, come on. And just, <laughs> I found it rather funny that he couldn't. He literally wouldn't bend his leg for the longest amount of time. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Who else has something? Laura, what do you got for us? I just have a real quick one. Rachel, you might have to go feed your baby real quick, huh? Is that what's about to happen? I think I'm going to have to go, so. Okay, well, all I was going to do was share for everyone on live TV that my underwear. Let's see. See what's happening here? I needed to see that before I go. Yes, Rachel, you're allowed to go. I'm going to describe to the viewers what happened. Okay, we love you. Love you. Okay, everyone, <laughs> everyone in the world, <laughs> surely has owned a pair of Victoria's Secret underwear, <laughs> and I don't actually know if they still make them this way because this is an elderly <laughs> pair of underwear. Can you say that about underwear? I've had these for quite a while. These babies. If your underwear was a child, what grade would they be in? <laughs> Ooh, I did not come prepared to answer that. But they're living large in the awkward stage of middle school. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like, oh, probably like preschool. Preschool? That's brand new underwear. Are you kidding me? What's that, three, four years old? Forget about it. That's that's, that's luxury. <laughs> These underwear are dancing awkwardly with other underwear at the school dance. <laughs> like this, arm's length, <laughs> arm's length apart, zombie dancing in the auditorium. Oh, my God. The streamers. Okay. Anyway, what had happened was the band around the top has officially started separating <laughs> from the rest of the fabric. And today at our play date in Rachel's bathroom, I pulled up my pants and underwear really quickly before my child could dump all the Finley's bath toys all over the bathroom floor. And I just was a little too vigorous with the tug and felt my thumb touch my index finger, which shouldn't be possible. (laughs) There should have been material between them. And turns out I've yanked a big old hole into my own underwear. I'm still wearing them. In fact, I just showed them to both of you. So that's (laughs) how much shame I even have left in me nowadays. Just wearing holy undies all day. Now we know that underwear don't live as long as people do. (laughs) 
What a way to find out. Quite the observation. <laughs> I observed <laughs> a massive hole in britches. In my britches today. Okay, you go. What's your what's your observation you about life? Um, I don't have any observations about life. So I, uh, I don't typically give confessions that have to do with my kids because I usually want them to be able to tell their own embarrassing stories on their own podcast when they are older. But this one was just too, it was too good to not share. So <laughs> we have a, as you heard in our last episode, we have a fly problem in our house. Like (laughs) they are everywhere and they're just so obnoxiously in and around my face. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so they're getting in through the garage door for some reason. I don't know where they're coming from or why, but they are. And so Jacob had put up a, you know, those like long, they're like in a little canister and they're those long tape sticky. Yep. Yeah, sticky little things, and you hang them up. Fly traps. Yeah, and the flies and gnats get stuck in them, right? So every day at around 4 or 4.30 when when Jacob's coming home, the kids and I go – And we play in the driveway until he gets home. And then when he gets home, they go running to him and it's very cute. And so we were just playing in the driveway in the garage with the garage door open. And I hear, mama, like this panicked voice. And it's my daughter. She had climbed up on, we have those big boxes that you can, like when you're working out that you can jump up on. And she had climbed it and had pulled on the fly trap and it had fallen like a mohawk from top oh, no. all the way to like the back of her neck. Oh no. <laughs> it had fallen and stuck <laughs> to her head. And she's like, oh, and she's just paralyzed no. with fear. She's like, Mama. So I run over. I can see it like clear as <laughs> day right now. And there are so many flies. So many dead flies in this sticky, just carnage. Yes, there's just carcasses. <laughs> just embedded in her curly cues. Yes. She's got all those tight little curls. She's got so much hair. And so I, you know, start to pull on it. And I don't know if you know this, but that adhesive <laughs> is like military grade it is yeah. yeah and so i start to like pull on it and it's like ripping out her hair it's like really in there and so i start to kind of just like slowly start to wiggle it and she doesn't want it on her head and so she's kind of freaking out and i was like it's okay it's just an accident mama's gonna get it out and i'm thinking i don't know if i'd be able to get this out i'm gonna have to shave a mohawk into my I child i was thinking i was like am i gonna have to go get the scissors and i'm able to kind of like I'm kind of like pulling it and like shimmying it off and was able to do it with getting minimal hair damage ripped out of her skull. So then she's left with, which I should also mention, she's trying to hug me because she's scared. So it's also getting stuck in my hair because she's (laughs) reaching for me. (laughs) And so we both have flies and adhesive in our hair. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's such a picture. I should not laugh at you right now. I should be hugging you. I, I should know. be I should be cradling you to sleep. You poor, poor thing. You have been through so She had much. like a yellow stripe <laughs> down her head with just flies in it. Oh my and gosh. so I'm there with my son and my husband hadn't gotten home yet. And of so I'm like, oh, what do I what do I do? Like they had gotten dressed because they were gonna hop in the car with him and go pick up dinner. And so I was like, do I just take him and like, because you know, when you have two, you can't just be like, oh, hey, wait here while we go, you know, scrub the whatever that is out of her hair. So anyway, he he did get home like two minutes later. I was like, you're just gonna have to sit here with flies in your hair for like two minutes. <laughs> and so he got home and we get in the shower and I'm trying to scrub it. That stuff will not come out. And so I'm telling him, I'm like yelling from the shower. I'm like, can you Google how to get fly adhesive (laughs) out of your hair? Out of the toddler's head. So it's still in my hair. It's still in her hair. I got the flies out. I was like able to like brush it out with some like leave-in conditioner. But yeah, it's still in there. If anybody has any tips, anybody that's gotten caught in a fly trap, let me know. (laughs) Surely someone out there has had this happen. Yeah. Dude, what a hilarious mess, mostly because it did not happen to me. <laughs> um, I have the convenience of being able to sit back yeah. and imagine the hilarity, but yeah. my goodness. It's like in her eyebrow. It was Ugh. honestly, poor baby. That's that sticky. I'm sure. I'm sure that didn't feel good and also was very scary for her because <laughs> that you escalated that? quickly. Yeah, I will say I stayed very calm and she stayed relatively calm. She was nervous about it and she was uneasy, but I was able to peel it out pretty quickly. And then she was totally fine about it. She kept touching her head like because it was sticky. She was like, a bugs, a bugs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's so cute. I just wanted to be like, I bathe my child, I promise. It's going to be something, someone's going to write in, it's going to be like apple cider vinegar or like white vinegar, some kind of vinegar product probably. It's going to get that right out. Hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, maybe tomorrow because it's still still in there. (laughs) Yeah, it's annoying. Um, All right. All right. That's it. We're going to wrap it up and this time it's me. I won't complain about how many words there are this time. Okay. I'm also not going to look at you. All right. Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow, review, and rate. For more of our content, you can follow us at Montessori Moms in the Wild on Instagram or email us at Montessori Moms in the Wild at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Honestly, we don't actually get email. If you want to do that, if you have a minute and you just want to send us a silly little something. And, and if you want to leave a review, just do it. Just go do it. That started off as like a friendly invitation <laughs> and quickly turned into a threat. And if you don't, I will come. I will find you. <laughs> she's not. She's so tired. She's covered so in tired. wax, glue yeah, paper, I don't even fly care. paper, don't and carcasses. Don't leave a review. See if I care. <laughs> I don't care. Ooh, she's going to reverse psychology of now. <laughs> All right. That's it, guys. Until next week. This is getting toxic. <laughs> Stay wild. <laughs>